Hello and welcome to Season 3 of the E3 Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about building science, healthy homes, architecture, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. Welcome back to Part 2 of Mark's World. I hope you enjoyed Part 1 with Mark Willie. Here is a little bit more of the inner workings of the brilliant mind of Mark Willie, who's doing so much for our industry right now with all of the projects that he's involved in. If you haven't seen him yet on BS Fridays or Passive House Accelerator or BS and Beer, check him out. Wow. I, 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 it was an epic night to have two hours of wall assembly, and then we had two hours of, of, of our other show. And then I don't know what happens to you on Thursday nights, Emily, but after, after our shows, uh, I get flooded with phone calls, texts, emails, and messages. And sometimes I'm, I'm actually too tired for a conversation, but I, but I know who it is. Um, and, and when are you going to find the time to have that call again? So, okay. So you skip dinner because you had to do your show because you worked all day and then you're in these kind of things. And then it's like, I, I, I got to get to bed. (laughs) I'm the same way. I am so like done in after the show, because I know, you know, this from doing the shows is, you know, it's a lot harder to be on the show than it looks. Right. I mean, it's great and it's worthwhile. Absolutely. Right. And then you get done and you're like, man, I didn't do dinner. I worked all day. Like Thursday's my longest day. You're just like done in from being on the screen. And then you're getting the text and the emails and whatever. And you're like, I sort of just want to sit on my couch, eat something and watch or read something mindless. Like I just, I don't have any more, like there's nothing else going on, but you, you know, you still, you follow up and you do all those things. And then for me, I get up Friday morning. I'm like, why am I so tired? Oh yeah. Right. Thursday. But it's just, it's still so rewarding that you just keep doing it. Like, and you do way more than I do. So I don't, I don't, I don't even know how well, you, you do, do two it. shows. You do two shows. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and then the other part, and we talked about this uh, briefly in one of our conversations. That's right, folks. People in our industry talk. Um, so uh, is it's not just the shows or, or the prep for the show or the after the show. It's, it's the interviews and the coordination and the collaboration with your co-hosts, with the behind-the-scenes people, if there are any, right? And th- those that are there are, you know, angelic. And then um, it's the guests, right? And uh, if any of you ever become a guest on a show and, and they ask for your bio and your photo and your web link and your Instagram handle and your shoe size, um, it's not just to send you a nice little coffee mug when we happen to have swag. It's because we pour our bloody hearts out to move a wall and to move a building and to move a town and to move a community and to move a, a little axial based planet and um, just send it. And then afterwards, share it beforehand, share it, share, share with a capital S H A R E. Um, and, 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 and then bring forward that person in your life that 
that mentored you or you were able to mentor, uh, that's the most impressionable thing I've found in the industry is when you work with someone and you get that dialed in moment where that's it, right? Whatever that happens, like, holy crap, I just figured out this chase way and now we can actually do this and now I can do that. Or wow, that crown molding is bananas. It's just dead on, right? I'm trying to use the right words rather than my carpenter speak. Um, <laughs> so the, those those moments. So for the people out there that have those connections, uh, you have to share that because that blossoms and it's not talked about, right? When, when we hear folks in media, it's, it's, it's this anchor person and they're so polished with their crew to say their little tagline and to politely pass it off to their next person and to do the little spiel. That's fine. Those are the media people, but all of us are surrounded by, by people. And it's what we said before, it's the places, it's the people, it's the products and the projects we're surrounded by that. And that glue actually allows someone we're never going to see again to sit under a roof to break bread with their loved ones and to have a safe, healthy, comfortable life. So that that's just a magical thing that we're, we're obligated to pass it on in the happy way in which it enters and manifests in our own lives. I think we're obligated. If you could find a better word than that, um, you know, I, uh, I request that you, you pass it along because I'll, I'll chew on it. <laughs> Nope. I think that's a great word. And I think it's also what maybe why so many of us are passionate about what we're doing is there's connections in that network that you make and as your network grows and it gets bigger and the stories that you tell and all of that. I mean, that's what makes life interesting, right? Oh, I can't see it. Oh, it's the tea stud. Yeah. We got to talk about tea studs. We can't forget about that. I, 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 uh, you took me to left field and I took you to left, left field. And then, and then we <laughs> took a couple of left turns to get back to, we made a circle. Let's talk about tea studs. Oh, real quick. Speaking of left terms, uh, the lady across the street from me, amazing family growing up, the husband ran a janitorial supply company. There were 11 kids, all uh, birthed at home, all homeschooled, amazing family. And, and, and I would say that this lady can literally do anything. She, her and her husband and the kids, they're amazing. There's one thing she couldn't do, right? We all have something. She couldn't make left turns. Hmm. So she has a massive van, right? Because she has 11 kids. And uh, she, she literally had routes around our small community with how she could get places and get home because she made right turns. <laughs> so oh <my> gosh. <laughs> it was funny with how the neighbors parked on the street and all that they knew which direction the van would come and then in order to get to the house because you're on the same side of the road as the house you had to veer out farther so no one could park there so she could make a right turn home so moral of that story is as much as we all make uh right turns because it's what we're used to that left turn could really be the thing we need to do <laughs> as, as we did today. As so, we did today. Um, uh, 
looking looking through the the stuff I've been involved with, I've been involved with many, many, many products that are new to our industry. And uh, I could say that some of them found me, but I, I would rather brag and say I found most of them. Um, when can you toot your own horn and break your arm, patting yourself on the back? It's occasions like that. So um, there's also products in our industry that you, that you say, why didn't I think of that? And why did it take so long? And, and all of us, if you can't name 10, it's, it's because you haven't had lunch yet. Have lunch and then you can name 10. I know you can. So <clears throat> in my life, I mean, I was, a, I was a rough framer. I was a finished carpenter, I was a builder, all that kind of stuff. I was never in, encouraged to think about a wall or think about how the building performs. I was encouraged to, to put it up, to do the best I can and get to the next wall because there's someone coming behind you or, or, or it's you coming behind you, depending on you know where you're at in your, in your, in your little world of construction. Um, but, and I can't think of anyone else that was ever encouraged to do anything different because it's, it's, it's fast, it's cheap. Right. And then, yeah, let's spend money on the cabinets or, you know, this, ridiculous granite that doesn't belong there in the beginning um so it's like okay i was enamored by the sears and roebuck homes that uh, you basically got a kit you put it up and the building inspection process didn't really care that you didn't have mep because you had cladding and a door and windows, and then you would finish it yourself, right? It was uh, elbow grease and rolling up your sleeve with the people in your firehouse or church or school. And uh, then, then we just got into this world of magnificent single family homes and they were just produced so fast. So the encouragement came when I learned from people you know, like our friend Stephen Basic and the like, that there's there's details that can make a magnificent difference. And uh, through time with meeting these material people, I, I ended up meeting the founder, uh, Brian of T-Stud. <clears throat> and he had a product that was, uh, that, that, was, that was pretty powerful. He called it the R19. Um, he made a two by six out of two, two two by threes that were parallel and they were dialed together and it had foam in it. And uh, a lot of my projects at the time had foam and um, uh, it's an easy way to get a lot of things done in Chicago space is a big deal. And uh, I, I really liked it. And then <clears throat> get to meet him and he knows that I, I could talk and he's like, can you do some trade shows for me? I'm like, I don't know. Right. <clears throat> I, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to uh, get 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 holes in my jeans, right? That's what I'm supposed to do, and and wear out my shoulders and back. And uh, so I did the trade shows because I I like to talk, and I learned throughout the process that when you take out the foam, uh, you could see those incredible dowels, and uh, it reminded me, like everyone would say, of a truss. And trusses are so freaking strong because, you know, there's this powerful thing called geometry and 
I don't know, probably something with physics in there, right? But um, it's magnificent. And then you start looking at it and, and you say, oh, I could do this, I could do this. And, and, and his brain's like a computer. And so played with different things and, and uh, come to find out he has like a gazillion patents of a gazillion things that aren't out yet. So um, uh, what I thought some of the ideas were mine were certainly not, they were his ideas, uh, but you got to be involved in that playing ground. And then uh, he decided he wanted to launch that bare naked product without the foam. And uh, <clears throat> that's when COVID hit. Right. So here we are, you know, whatever stage in our life that that was going on and the factory was in Canada and uh, now that there's COVID, you can't get childcare services to work at the plant in Canada. And how do we go to Canada to teach them how to make the next product? <clears throat> and so during COVID, you have to find a way to get semis to a plant that's not occupied in Canada to fill them up, to bring them to the U.S. to, to make a new product, right? And, and transportation, borders, all that stuff is interesting pandemic mania is going on <clears throat> and uh so we get it back here we get the machinery going quicker uh i start singing tunes and banging the drums playing the megaphone and and the bare naked two by six is launched and it takes off and uh, all that fun stuff i do that show on fridays that you were on where uh, you know i'm introduced as mark bare naked willie and some people turn and they're like I don't know what that is, but I don't want to know. Right. It's just, it, right. Uh, it creates all that stuff. And, 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 and that's unfortunately folks, that's the stick, right? You, you, you're creating attention because uh, I have to steer you away from Coca-Cola and hostess. So um, you can still get hostess and Coca-Cola, but you still have to have it in your bills. That part happens. And then, they're coming out with the two by eight, right? So now we can have this incredible wall. And so why is it so incredible? And why do I do it? Why do I love materials? It's because these buildings change the way you sit at the table with your loved ones. Honest to God, that's the only reason. There's a million reasons why people think they live in a building but at the end of the day, it's to keep the weather away from them and allow themselves to rest so they could go up and use the gifts they were given the next day. And once you experience a pretty good house, a net zero house, a passive house, a green or sustainable or energy efficient house, you realize that there's spots that the dog and cats don't go to for comfort because it's everywhere. You realize that the draft is taken away and that whole, so the T in T stud stands for thermal. The whole thermal back and forth is taken care of. The folks from the building science world talk about the sweater, right? You put on the sweater, you don't put the sweater under your t-shirt and expect to get warm. You don't put the hat in your back pocket and think your ears are covered. So the thermal thing we were never encouraged to do. We were never encouraged to do. You either had a brick house or you had a siding or sheathing house, maybe a vinyl house or whatever. That's what you had. Uh, stucco, whatever, that interesting product. Um, and 
that's just what you have. And uh, so when I understood thermal, I was like, God, this is, this is just great. So here you have this, this kid who was heavily involved in finished carpentry and furniture and all this stuff, caring about the inside of a wall, right? Like we talked earlier that gypsum and paint is, is, is the end all be all of our magnificent buildings, but uh, I'll be damned. It isn't. It, 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 it is the wall itself that makes our buildings slap what you want on the outside or inside the right way. But that wall is so much everything. Um, I don't care whether you're a site builder, an offsite builder, prefab, panelized, trailerized, HUD, you know, mobile, tiny, luxury McMansions. Y'all got walls. Y'all got six-sided boxes. It's so simple. And that was never taught to me from kindergarten through, through college. Never taught to me. Never once. Everything else probably was, and I probably listened to some of it, but that was never taught to me. <clears throat> and now it's such a part of our lives and industries. It's such a part. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Stephen before, but uh, you just had him on for, you know, a 12-part series. And uh, uh, it's so true. Like, these people come up with these incredible details and I'll be talking to him on the phone because the guy works seven days a week. He's a knucklehead like I am. And he'd be like, I drew that for Building Science Corp 20 years ago, right? So these details that are all around are just not a part of our world. And we're not encouraged because we didn't think of doing it. That's my that's my lion's share of of the trajectory I think we all need to be on is, is, is the sharing and encouraging um, no matter what you do, you know, uh, but especially when it involves our lives and our, and our buildings. I couldn't agree more sharing. That's why I do a podcast. That's why I do BS and beer. That's why I go out and, and teach building science. It's like the knowledge I have isn't worth anything if I don't share it with other people. And you know, I, I can't tell you the things I've learned from other people. I mean, it's just, it, it's huge and it's amazing. And, you know, you joked about the 12 part series with Steve basic, but we sat down and we talked for two hours. We didn't even begin yeah. to touch on the stuff that we have. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to cut this down. And I, I was like, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not going to cut it down. I'm just going to make it as long as it is because everybody needs to hear this. These are the stories. These are the things that we go through. These here's the knowledge. Here's the behind the scenes. Here's the, Hey, these people are regular people. Ask us questions. You know, obviously there's a point at which you just can't answer all of the questions that you get. I'm sure that you get this and Steve gets this is like, there's just physically impossible to answer all the questions that we have, but that's why we share on these platforms. So you can say, Hey, sorry, I don't have time to answer that, but go listen to episode X, Y, Z on such and such, you know, we covered that or, you know, tag the builder in this and maybe he's got a picture of it that he can share with you because, you know, sharing is how, you know, it's the best thing. Right. And I, there's this adversarial relationship between builders and architects for a really long time that doesn't need to be there because we all respect each other. We all learn from each other. There's always something to gain, you know, yeah. and I think 
that's part of what I like about what I do is going to the job site and learning and how did this go? And did you put it together? And can I, can I help with this and try it out? And how sticky was that tape? Like, you know, I love talking to Ken uh, with Sega tapes where he said, you know, they had to find some kind of special, I don't even remember what it was, paint or epoxy to put on their display because their Fendrim tape sticks to literally everything. And they oh, wanted to right. be able to take it off and put it back on, you know, do whatever sh- sh- and show that and share it. And it's like, well, what won't this stick to, you know? And I mean, that's just like random examples, but like that sharing that knowledge and that, and that most of these people are nice and approachable. I mean, I joked on LinkedIn. I think uh, maybe you saw it. That it was like, oh, it only took me three seasons to get up the nerve desk, Steve Basic, to come on the podcast. You know, it's like, <laughs> if he wants to make a 12 part series all day, every day, whatever you want to do, I'm down. So yeah, it, it, you touch on something interesting in that you touch on a lot of interesting things in it. Um, so the building material thing, like for instance, with Sega tapes, this is what I encourage people to back to encouragement. Now that's now I'm going to drop that word all the time. Uh, and I should. So when you meet a building materials person, ask them the question, what does this work with? What does this work on? If their answer is everything, then ask the, the, the next question, what doesn't it work on? Mm. Cause I got to tell you, there's a lot of sales people out there and they say everything or they say, look on the website, right? Those are, those are red flags people and red flags aren't good. Um, so uh, you should, you should know the shortcomings of your product because products are supposed to be taken to failure. That's the joy of making products is you take them to failure. And, and so we should, we should know what those are and we should be open about it. And, and, and the thing is you've talked to just for an example, an insulation company, right. And the contractor's like, well, you know, we always use flash and bat, right. Oh, and that's what we do. Oh, you use flash and bat. Got it. So are those two insulation manufacturers the same, right. For the flash, and the bat will know, oh, okay, so you have zero compatibility. So so when this goes sideways, what happens? Well, I've used flash bat for 15 years. Fabulous. So, so you're responsible for that. Got it. Sounds good. All I ask is if you're having that conversation with me, you prepare yourself for the answer you're going to get. And that is if you're hiring an insulation contractor to install that, make sure that then they are responsible for those two things going together because all the manufacturers in the world in the insulation market don't do compatibility tests. They spend a crap ton of money in their product and what you put with it is your chicken soup. And I've had great chicken soup in my life and I've had some that I won't even take a spoonful of. So think about that. What doesn't it work with? The answer is a hill of beans, right? <laughs> right. There's, there's something, you know, and that, that compatibility of building materials is so key because 
just because you've been doing it that way for 15 years doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't an issue. What if all of those people sold all of those houses? They're not calling you now because you're now six chains back in the chain. Well, all those whatever. products changed over 15 years. Well, right. They yeah. all changed. And apparently the climate's changing, too. So that might be a factor. Well, right. Like we we started talking about dehumidification all of a sudden because and air conditioning. I mean. It was a joke five years ago. We were all like, oh, you don't air condition in Maine. Maybe that's just because we just dealt with it. I don't know. Mainers are just, you know, they're, but our climate's changing. And now those two weeks when it was hot and you sort of just dealt with it and it was humid or whatever have become five, six, eight weeks. Well, now, you know what? Two weeks was all right. Well, now we're like, we don't know how to deal with air conditioning because we've never had air conditioning before. So we're cooling our houses, but the humidity is still ridiculously high. It's like now we're creating soupy houses on the inside. Like, what are we doing? Right. And we. And then like, there's that beautiful word called latent load. Right. And that, that takes all the people that just had the answer and it puts them in a tailspin. They'd be like, I don't want to talk about latent load today. <laughs> <laughs> Or I got to love one of my favorite parts and I didn't have a chance or an opportunity to talk about it on a Tuesday night, but Enrico was showing um, a graph and like how important that our ERVs and HRVs are and that maybe that you have the right one or something. And then all I wanted to say was we get so much pushback here in Maine about ERVs and HRVs because they're not commissioned. So they put them in and they have no idea if they work. And it's like, man, we have relied on this to be the right thing. And me as the hers rater, I'm the one coming out trying to do commissioning afterwards with the tools that I have available to me to make sure that I'm leaving my homeowners in a safe place, in a safe environment. And what happens when that homeowner sells it and they the next homeowner turns the ERV off and well, now, well, you know, because um, so I, well, I keep thinking we, that we, it, it, it's it's such it's such a big thing. You have your manual J's, your manual D's, you have all this stuff and you have people that want a 12 foot first floor and a nine foot basement, and a 10 foot second floor. And I want to I know you told me I know you told me, Emily, that I need the ERV, but we never had one in our last house. So just just find just find the, the cheapest, smallest one. And I don't want it anywhere near the bedrooms. Like I put it in the crawl space, just wherever you got, just, just do that. Oh, but by the way, we, we really need that six burner range and, and, and right. And right. That that's important because we order food in every night and we don't even cook, but it's important that we have that. Um, perfectly fine with me if they order food in and they never cook, right? Because that <laughs> thing should never turn on and the makeup air system that you need to make sure that that thing works and it's healthy for you to actually use is like borderline commercial kitchen, uh, you know, and we're going to spend a whole bunch of money for this range hood. So, or for this makeup air system to work with that range. Are you sure this is what you want? Because if this is what you want, that's fine. But this is what you also have to have in order to make that work, you know? And so it's, I, it's I, I, I got the greatest story of all that you're going to love. So, <laughs> so, so your, your, your client has a budget and their tastes are great, but they're great people. So you take it on and you, you pinch and, and you, and you create and you get it all happen. And then uh, the appliance package 
you know, cause you never knew what it was because they got a guy and, uh, and, and you just had the sizes and you're hoping to God that it fits in this immensely perfect kitchen you created on, on a, a blank size and it doesn't. And you make all these wonderful adjustments to perfectly good cabinets and you put in this stainless steel fridge and this blah, blah, blah stove and all of it's there. And, and you, and, and, and you got, you got your agreed upon price and uh, they're happy with their amazing kitchen and, um, and they're happy with the deal that you gave them and everything's great. And you get a call three years later, can you come over and you come over three years later and you sit down and you find out that it's time for a new kitchen. So, 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 so there was a set amount of money the first time around, but look, three years have gone by and the, the styles changed, right? So you, it's important to, to switch your kitchen out. Uh, and again, money's so important, so important. And, um, uh, so, so you're looking around and, um, all the plastic is on everything still in the inside of the stove because you're a carpenter doing a kitchen and you're not taking that off. So, so the stove hasn't been used and it's pristine. And there's a, there's a, 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 a bottle of special sparkling water and there's limes in the fridge and all the other plastic is there. The fridge has never been used. These, these, these wonderful appliance. So, so of course you agree to take on the new kitchen project because it's a brand new kitchen and you can put that in your sister's house and you can bring the appliances to the church because it's enough to feed 4,000 people out of. And, uh, and then you do the kitchen again. And this time your budget's different. The client's still happy. And uh, thank goodness we have another kitchen that someone can eat out of. So that's my funny story because you touched on something so good before that you, and I don't know the word you said, but you said there's a blank relationship between the architect and the contractor. What was that word you chose? Adversarial. Adversarial. So um, I, I told a, uh, I told a warm fuzzy story because that adversarial conversation could be confrontational, right? Uh, you're an architect, I'm said contractor. And um, we often talk about from our backgrounds in building systems, building science, that the buildings are great until you put people in them. So I'm going to take you to the next step of that conversation and say, architects and contractors are great until you put clients between them. And that's, that's what I'll say, right? So if, if said architect Emily and said contractor Mark come together through, let's say Sally's back in the motion, right? So Sally, Sally knows Emily, they play field hockey together and that's her architect that they're, they're, they're going to use. And, and, and for some reason, uh, 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 Sally's partner, Pat knows, knows Mark and, and Mark's the contractor and Emily and Mark have never met before, but now all of a sudden we're, 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 we're tag teaming this battle Royal and we don't even know what the match is. So I get a chance to meet you. And then they, 
then they say, okay, well, well, thanks and, and go away. And, and they give you ideas and they change ideas and they give you ideas and they change ideas. And, 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 and you're flip-flopping paperwork and lines and drawings and layers and specs forever, right? Maybe nine months of your time is creating this incredible dream. And, and, and it, took, it took them two to four months longer to get you all the stuff that you needed as the architect because you didn't realize that they were going to be pregnant during that drawing phase and that uh, they need an office and, and they need a guest suite and they need an Atari room and whatever. So that stuff all came. And, and you know, of course, Mark had, had met uh, Sally and Pat with Emily and they needed a budget before they ever uh, had a concept idea, drawing number of bedrooms, size, anything. And he did all that. And Mark tried to do his best because he, he needs to put potatoes on his table. And uh, so these nine months later, uh, Emily presses send on her, on, on her computer, thinking that the client finally figured out what they're going to live inside of. And Mark gets it. Uh, it's, you know, Friday afternoon, Mark's tired, um, because he slept all day. And, uh, um, uh, there's, there's a, a forwarded email with the plant set that Emily spent so much time on from Sally and Pat saying, uh, this and that has happened in our lives and we're, we finished our drawing. Um, can, can you, can you have a price to us on Tuesday? Because we're, we're meeting with the bank. So I venture to say that the architect and the contractor are wonderfully capable of having a blissful relationship together, uh, provided that the client's not involved. <laughs> I think it's actually entirely possible for the builder and the architect to have a wonderful relationship with the client involved if the builder joins in the design process and the architect joins in the construction process and everybody is on the same team from the beginning, right? Because there's nothing yeah. I hate worse than sending Mark the drawings after we've worked on them for nine months without somebody having seen any budget whatsoever. That's never good, right? Because the eyes are always bigger than the stomach, right? So my <laughs> philosophy is the builder <laughs> needs- Except in my case. <laughs> <laughs> right? Whole package of Oreos. Uh, so the builder needs to be involved earlier on in the design process to help to, to guide that. And for the builder and the architect to both be saying the same words to the client, right? Yep. You need more space. It costs more money, right? Because sometimes I feel like as the architect, we say that and the client doesn't hear it because this is still what they want. And they're in the fun part. The design phase is the fun part. Right. Then you yep. get to the build part and the cost part. And it's like, whoa, that's so much more money. And it's like if the builder and the architect are then on the same page, they can together say, you know, that $40,000 kitchen you want that you're going to replace in three years. Maybe we can make that a $20,000 kitchen because yep. you're going to replace it in three years. And we don't say, oh, well, we're going to take out those T studs that we love because we can build this wall with a two by six and fiberglass and it'll be great. And I can't tell you how many times those people then sell that house in the next 
two to five years because it sucked to live in it. It looked pretty. It looked great. They bragged yep. to all their friends about their beautiful granite countertops. Yep. But then they hated living in it because it was always cold. It cost $4,000 to heat it. it. It had these weird spaces that we thought would be great, but they, they weren't really great. And we never used it. Like what was this? formal dining room that we put in we we used it like once in three years you know we, we served thanksgiving once then we decided we didn't actually like cooking at home for thanksgiving so we're gonna go to mom's house instead we never use this room right and it's like when when you and the builder are on the same page you know from the beginning and you're up front like hey you know maybe i'm not the cheapest architect maybe you're not the cheapest builder but we agree that that this is the the end goal what you want and we you said earlier you were talking about how you get involved with that project right because they're good people and you really want to help them out but if you have that cost discussion in the beginning you can you can hopefully get to a point where you're not so emotionally invested in that person that you cut corners to a point where you're not happy and they're not happy and the builder's not happy in the end right because now you got you got something that you you're either concerned about its durability or you're concerned about what it's going to be like to live in it. Right. Because, you know, we all joke that a building is perfect until you add occupants, but literally the only reason we have buildings is because we have occupants. That's right. <laughs> they, they don't serve. Well, there are a couple <laughs> of buildings that serve purposes to house things, but not occupants, but even those things, right. Those buildings that have to be super climate controlled to house some collection of something, has more thought put into it because whatever it's housing has to stay stable or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we have buildings cause we have occupants, so we can't just ignore the occupants and we have to design to our best ability because occupants sell things to other occupants who don't use them the same way all the time, <laughs> all the time. So it's just, it's this whole I don't know. Crazy world of construction. I was very fortunate with the architects I worked with, but I would guess that most wouldn't want to work with me. Uh, And I was very particular with clients. So uh, I I explained the process of being a honeymoon. I I told them that we're going to enjoy the planning stage. And before we start the project, everything's decided. If, if you want to switch to a design build process, I'm fine with that. But I want your calendar and your checkbook to be part of the normal discussion because now I'm running a business. I'm not finishing a project. And right. I know you want me to finish it. And I know you want me to keep a budget. So I said, those are the two terms that you hire me under. Of course, they always sided with me because they saw the projects and they didn't want to do design build but they can literally just enjoy the process. So the architects got the rough sizes from it. And I always planned the plumbing. So I, I had a centralized core where all the bathrooms were on top of each other and back to back. And uh, now my plumbing costs were low and my layout was said, right. I knew what the layout could be. All the lots in, in Chicago, Emily, are 25 by 125. So there, there's there's only so many places you could put bedrooms and hallways, right? <laughs> so so you control costs by making the MEP 
fast, easy, and effective, but the design big. And then I said, these are the materials I use. And, and this is the cost, right? Um, that's where we're at. And so the architect didn't have the handholding. These decisions were made. And typically in Chicago, all we really need is plan and permit. They, the finish and all that stuff doesn't matter as long as the rise and run and the, and the, the silly balusters aren't big enough for a kid to lose his life on, right? That's about it, right? There's the fire health and safety. That's it. Uh, but Chicago doesn't care about finishes and occupancy. They only care about rough construction. Um, so it was so easy. So we just pulled all that together and, you know, it, it was, it was inevitable that there would be changes and you do your best to avoid that. But those parts I such enjoyed because after they walk a couple of your homes, if they don't fall in love with what you've done, they're probably not going to be a good candidate for either of you to move forward. So if they walk away from that meeting and they're like, I love this from this house. I love this from this house. Now you got someone you're breaking bread with. But if, if, if it doesn't gel, don't start the relationship because without the romance, the relationship is a disaster. And that's why I use those words with them. (laughs) I always talked about romance and dancing and all that. So, so they, so they got it together. And then I said, we're going to be really simple here. Let's consider me an Italian deli, right? This is what I have. This is what you have to pick from. If we come to a meeting and you ask for Chinese food, you're going to get a big surprise out of me because now I'm going to have to go and find those ingredients and that cook and I'm going to have to figure out how to make it work with prosciutto and mozzarella. And I mean, I got skills, but good night nurse. I don't have that kind of skill. So um, I always gave those romance and dance analogies and I always gave the food analogy. Um, and, uh, and that part was simple. And then uh, the next layer was always um, let us know when you've decided that we, the contractor and, and, and my friend, the architect is the choice. If you choose to hire an interior designer, both of our numbers change, right? And, and bless your hearts. There's, I've, I have some amazing interior designers, but it's a different equation. It's a different communication. There's a different amount of spiffs for materials that you can't hide and move and create magic out of and and then i said we have one spokesperson from the contractor world and that person's responsible we have one spokesperson from the architect world that person's responsible but you do not change the the rungs on the ladder you go to that person and their team brings it together that's what we're doing here and then sally and pat i need you to do the same Whatever you agree on or don't agree on is purely for you. But I could tell you, I studied sociology and psychology. Um, I charge more for that. So when we come to our meetings, we're going to have the discussion on the project. And uh, whoever the spokesperson is, that's the note I write down. That's it. 
because we could we can use both of our ears, but I could only listen to one mouth. I uh, I'm a carpenter. I write slow, so I don't want to listen to two conversations. So <laughs> I always showed up with a carpenter pencil and a notepad. People are very sure of their words when you're sitting there with a carpenter pencil and a notepad, right? Because at the end of the day, I what was there for me to write down? It was a number. I could give you this much savings or I could add this much value, but the rest of the stuff we need an agreements on because I don't know what it's going to be. And that's, that's the way we had it. And it always worked except for the couples that magically a gift from the heavens, every couple I had that I built a house for magically began to create more offspring during the project build. (laughs) That's hard to do. That's hard to create more bedrooms in a space. And, and then of course there's the trials and tribulations of what they're going through in their personal lives. Right. It's a, it's a physical and chemical change, right? Sure is. (laughs) So uh, that's that's Mark's world of architects and contractors. I just realized you have BS and Beer Show coming up. I do. I do. So as much as I have enjoyed this conversation, and I think it was like, oh, I could probably talk to you for two hours every week and never get tired of it. I, I like Mark's world. Can you just start a show called Mark's world? Because it's fascinating and super interesting. And I've enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, so I, I could just sit and listen to the Mark's world, uh, podcast all, all the time. Um, it was great. And I appreciate you I'll taking you- your time to join me on Emily's world. Right. <laughs> there, there, there's a quick point. I'll add to that one. Your dog has sat in the background or, or, or the landscape architect's dog has sat in the background the whole time and it hasn't moved uh, uh, truly amazing. The ball <laughs> hasn't even moved. Uh, when it talks about Mark's world, uh, I'll let you ask Stephen Basic uh, a Mark's world question because he has this whole universe he created for me uh, that I should create. And then the last thing that I'll that I'll add is I'm so happy to join you and Kylie and Travis and Ben um, talking with uh, uh, a rising rising star Alexandra. And, uh, and seeing how we all collaborate and work together. So this is, there's so much crossovers in our world, Emily. And, and it seems like Maine is very close to the Midwest right now. So um, thanks for being here. We jumped a, a whole bunch of states and we sort of just went <laughs> like, how do we squish these two things together? Yeah, the, the, the whole Mississippi is an illusion. It's always been. And um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm blessed to have got to know you. I'm blessed that the conversations that we've had and, um, you know, uh, more sharing, we're all going to get there. And, and I wish you continued success on the pretty good house because we all deserve one. I hope you guys enjoyed part one and part two of Mark's world with Mark Willie. I know that I enjoyed it. This was totally unscripted. What we recorded, I played for you. I like to think of this podcast as 
coffee with Emily or an industry dinner where we're all kicking back and having a drink and talking, building science and the stuff that we're passionate about. So I hope you've been enjoying the podcast. If you have a guest you'd like to hear from on the podcast, if you want to come on the podcast, or if you have any topics you'd like me to cover, reach out emily at matramarch.com. Otherwise, tune in next week for more nerdiness. Nerdiness.